You're listening to the Royal Oak Church Podcast. Royal Oak Church is based in Front Royal, Virginia and led by Pastor John Acronero. At Royal Oak Church, we believe in training children, restoring families, and lighting our community. We're so thankful that you have decided to tune in, and we pray that God will minister to your heart and speak to you as you hear His Word today. God bless. God. You guys have all heard of that, right? I know the kids have learned about it. So what are, do you remember some of the parts of the armor that we have to put on? Shield, helmet, breastplate, sword, belt. Oh, y'all are good. Shoes, Testing your, testing your memory, isn't it? All right. Um, I'm going to read Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, and that's going to tell us. I think we forgot something, but we're going to find out what it is. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Mm. Okay. That's a lot, but you just can't get through life without it. I mean, there's just so much, especially nowadays, that happens that you have to put on that armor every single day. All right. I'm going to put some water in each of my cups. That was easy. All right, now, I have two oranges. One of them is fully dressed in his armor. That is Bobby. Bobby's a pretty smart kid. He's got every piece of his armor on. Now, what? suppose Bobby only had, like, the shoes and the belt. He doesn't have the full armor on, right? You think he'd still be okay? Mm, probably better than nothing, but he needs all of it, doesn't he? So Bobby's ready. He's got all of it on. Well, this is Jimmy over here. You know Jimmy. He's the kid that never follows the rules. He's always in trouble. Well, look what he went and did. He took his armor off. 
No armor at all, nothing. No shoes, no shield, no belt, nothing. Mmm, Jimmy. Mm. All right, let's see what happens to Jimmy. He's going in this cup of water right here. Oh, Jimmy sunk all the way to the bottom. I'd say he's in big trouble. All right. You remember what this guy's name is? Bobby. Let's see what Bobby's got it all on. Mm, look at that. Bobby stayed afloat because he had the armor of God on. So poor little Jimmy over here, he's just swimming away. He's just floundering and drowning, and he just all messed up. We got to be like Bobby. We got to put every piece of that armor on when we, every day, whether we're out and about or whether we're home or whatever we're doing, we got to have that full suit of armor on. So don't forget that. It's really important. All of it, not just part of it, but all of it. Okay? All right, guys, thanks. Thank you, Tammy. That was awesome. How many of you knew that that would float? I, I'll be honest, I, I didn't. I didn't. I was wondering where you were going, but that's pretty cool. So let's just leave those up there as a prop. So good. That was good. And I like how you strategically picked the names. What? No, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if the sermon's not good, he's going to throw it at me, he said. That's fine. I can duck. So welcome again, and uh, thank you again, Tammy, for that. And I know the kids and the adults get a lot out of it. I learned something today, for sure. So my new normal, our new normal has changed a lot. If you haven't noticed, things are different. Things are going to continue to be different for whoever can guess how long. I have theories as to why, but I'll keep those to myself because this is church. But either way, we've had to change some things. And my new normal for preaching has been just upended completely because every time I tell you this, and it sounds like a broken record, but every time I have some, I was so excited to teach a science class today. I had some really cool things to talk about and, and, and some things to demonstrate, um, which would have been fun. But probably within the last 48 hours, I just started feeling really down. I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, my wife always notices that first before I even recognize it. And I just couldn't put words to it. I just just had a, just been feeling weary and discouraged as of late and went um, for a ride yesterday. I, and I wanted to do this sermon because I had it all prepared again. And God's like, no, it's just not going to fit tomorrow for you. So I said, all right, I'll go for a ride. So I went for like a three-hour drive. I like to do that. I've always done that when I was younger, too. I just like to go for a drive. It just for me, it's a way to get away. So I did that, and... I came back and I still had nothing. 
And by that time, it was late in the afternoon, and last night around 8 o'clock, I, I started just writing some things down, but it wasn't there either. And Michelle is a planner. And Michelle was getting worried. I wasn't. I wasn't. I just said, I don't know what I'm going to talk about tomorrow. I just don't, I, I don't know what God's trying to get at. And late last night before I went to bed, he just said, well, how are you feeling? And I said, I'm just being weary and discouraged. And he's like, well, then that's what you need to talk about tomorrow. So I woke up early this morning and put some stuff on paper. So, well, not paper, on an iPad. (laughs) And for me, some of the things that are wearing me out, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this, uh, COVID, of course, right? Just everything involved with that. The elections coming up and the politics that we all have to endure and see um, the worst of the worst on both sides of the party, in my opinion, just just going at each other. It's To me, it's just a never-ending cycle. Um, and 24-hour news doesn't help recycling that all the time. And then relationship issues, uh, failing to meet expectations of what others have for myself, making decisions and worrying about what others may think. Right, I wanna, I'm a people pleaser. I really am. Um, and it's not a good way to be because it can get in, a way, get in the way of what you're supposed to do and what you're designed to do if you let it. And there's many more things and I'm sure a lot of you have been feeling the same way. I mean, I've heard from some of you and especially in today's climate of, you know, hate and bitterness and self-centeredness. It feels like a heavy weight, doesn't it? Some of this stuff, it just feels like, ugh. You can say, well, you're Christians. We're Christians. We should never feel this way. We should be joy, joy, joy all day long. Or maybe you don't have enough faith. You know, know, God's a big God. You need to have more faith. That just makes you feel even worse. And if you've ever told somebody that, it probably makes them feel even worse. So just stop. (laughs) We all know that. We all know what we need. But we are human, and there are times when we don't need to hear that. We just need your prayers. The fact is that it doesn't take faith to become weary. Did you ever notice that? It just happens automatically. That's an easy thing to accept when you're weary. You don't have to have faith in it. Because we see it and we feel it and we hear it and it's literally in our face. That, he- that burden, that he- over- thing that's overhanging us. And I'm weary, and I know some of you are as well. So what do we do? What do we do when we're in that situation? And I was thinking about this, and one of the things that I'm learning, and Michelle will appreciate this, is I, I can't hide it from, I shouldn't be hiding it from myself or others, to be honest, really. We shouldn't be hiding it. It's just going to make it worse for you. You have to be true to what you're feeling. Otherwise, anything you do from that point on won't help. If you don't recognize that there's a problem, you can't do anything to fix it. You can pretend it's not there, but you're not going to get anywhere with trying to overcome it. Just to elaborate a little bit, we need to have a starting point. We need to have a source of truth that we can build from. A source of truth grounds you A source of truth cannot be changed, and everything flows from that source of truth, 
and everything because of that source of truth is consistent. Our source of truth is not Fox News. It is not CNN. It is not Facebook. It is not Twitter. It is not our government. It's not our elected officials. It is not your pastor. It is not the church, the church that, that humans built. It's not self-help books or any other thing like that. All of the above will fail you and have failed you at some point. Our source of truth is the word of God. I'm sure that comes as no surprise. And thankfully, we all have copies of it. If you don't, you are really living in the Stone Ages because they are everywhere. If you have a phone, a smartphone, or a semi-smartphone, you can get the Bible app in any, any translation you want. I always go back to the story of this guy that used to come to Winchester a lot. He's, he's from China, and he talked about his, forget his name, he used to come and, yeah, he was, <laughs> yeah, he's, China, he's from China, and he's a missionary there, and he found God in a, in a, um, in a prison that he was in. It was a labor camp, and uh, they wouldn't, and they had Bibles, and he had some Bible. Um, they, used, they used to use the Bibles as toilet paper for them. That's what the people that ran the prison would give them. And this guy's job was to, take, was to clean out the latrines. He would take those, and this is gross, sorry. He would take those pieces of the Bible and bring them back and clean them up and hide them under his pillow just so he can know what God is. So we have so much more at our fingertips. And this guy went to that extreme to understand and know that he has a source of truth that he needs. I w- we, we can learn and understand and remind ourselves of this truth when we read Scripture. We can remind ourselves when we read Scripture that we're not here by chance or by accident. There is a reason all of us today are in this specific situation in history. There is a reason for it. God doesn't let anything go to chance. I was going to talk about chance for my science class today, um, but I'll get to that next week because it ties in pretty well. We're created by a God that loves us so much that he gave up his one and only son just to save us. The Bible is our source of truth. It's where we have to go. And if we're spending more time on everything else to get, give us information that we need or make us feel good, it's not going to be the right source of truth and it'll lead you astray. Nothing else can compare to the source of truth of the word. Now, in my job, my day job, I work for an IT company and we have this thing called the source of truth too. We have thousands of servers across the world that we got to we got to take care of and, and create. We're always creating new things. So we have many acquisitions, too, that come in. And we have to bring outside systems into our network and bring all their stuff into ours. And if we build out a, a new process for something that's, you know, everything's like flows from a source of truth that we have. In other words, when we build something out, Everything is already there. We just have to literally push a button and everything works just fine. That's a source of truth. Well, supposedly. More than not, it takes a while to build that. and We call it our source of truth. It's just a big database with all the configurations in it. 
And once we set up a server, it's done and it's working and there's no issues most of the time, believe it or not. But what happens a lot of times is we get these rogue engineers that want to go in and start their own server and they, they're going to build it the way they want. And a lot of times it works great for them, but what happens on the back end for us is it causes all kinds of problems with everything else that we've already created. Because they're not following the same blueprint, if you will, that we are. It becomes more difficult when just that one small thing goes haywire for that one person and he thinks he's isolated, he or she isolated in that instance and there's nothing else that can happen. But it is far reaching when they go off of that, we call them playbooks. It becomes much more difficult to figure out what the problem is too because we'll scratch our head and part of my job too is I get alerts from our servers when they're not feeling well and they tell me that they're not feeling well and I have to go figure out what it is and a lot of times they're vague so we have to just, and then it could be a million things. And when one thing is wrong that we don't know of, we, it didn't follow our playbook, our source of truth, when one thing goes wrong, it's hard to go back and look at that. It takes a lot more time. We, we go through so much resourcing just to try to figure out this one problem that stemmed only because of somebody didn't follow our source of truth. Everything flo flows from that. In our source of truth, though, we have a little flexibility. We can change it if we don't like it. We can change it if we don't like it. If, if there's something new, some new technology that's coming on board that we haven't ever done before, then we will adjust our source of truth to match the incoming new technology. Obviously, we don't need to make adjustments for God's word. It is the source of truth. Although some people feel compelled to try to do that, they try to add or subtract to what God has given us in the word. The difference between my source of truth at work and the Bible as a source of truth is simply this. At work, the source of truth sometimes needs to be adjusted because the technology we are bringing in is different and new and we have never dealt with it before. But for the Bible, we have, we have, to, be we have to be adjusted. There's nothing new under the sun, it says, and everything we see, hear, feel, and has already been has already been seen, heard, and felt, and dealt with. There's nothing new that's going to happen in our world that's going to require us to question God's word. We can try. We can question God's word, but he says there is nothing new, and there hasn't been anything new. Human beings, we're an awful bunch sometimes. But for the grace of God... And that right there should give us our hope today. You know, we have the answers. We, when things are going wrong, there's stories in, in the Bible that have gone of things that have happened and gone on way before us. There are stories that we can read and we can gather information or intelligence from that and understand, okay, this is very similar to what I'm going through. So how did this work? We have a source of truth that we can read and make, cha and, and make changes in ourselves to align with what it says. So going back to what I said earlier, that I was weary, what should I do? If nothing new, if there's nothing new under the sun, then I should be able to go find the source 
the Bible and see why I feel this way and then apply it. So what does God say when I was searching for this, for weariness just in particular? There's a lot in there, but I found this passage and it stood out to me from 2 Corinthians 4.18. And the verse, our source of truth, says this. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. That sounds comforting and honestly a little confusing. It's telling us, don't fix your eyes on what you see. Fix your eyes on what you cannot see. Well, that doesn't make any sense. If you can't see something, how can you fix your eyes on it? How do we fix our eyes on what we can't see? That seems crazy. But the good news is the Bible itself is its own source of truth. Now, follow me for a second. This passage of scripture was written to encourage a church that was started... um, that had started after Jesus ascended to heaven. This is what that Second Corinthians was. It was a letter to them, to encourage them. The author of that letter, when he wrote this, was making a reference to something that had happened many, many years before in what we call the Old Testament. It was a reference to a situation um, that had occurred with one of God's prophets. And I have that source of truth from the Bible itself. Before I read it, let me just give you some background. There was a prophet called Elisha, and he spoke on behalf of God to the kings of the day and other people that God would instruct him to talk to. In this particular instance, um, Elisha said some things that made a particular king quite upset. You know, prophets had a habit of doing that. Most of them did not live long because of it. So from 2 Kings chapter 6, starting in verse 14... I'll read to you the account that gave that letter in Corinthians its source of truth. It says, So one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. This is where Elisha was staying. They wanted Elisha dead. When the servant of the the man of God, the man of God being Elisha, when the servant of of Elisha got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. How do you think he responded? He said, oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. And Elisha told him, run for the hills. No, he said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Now, there were just a couple of them in this town, and they were surrounded by King Aram's army, chariots, everybody on the ground, every troop that you could possibly send in there, they were surrounded. And he says, don't worry about it. We're good. We have more on our side. And it didn't take the servant long to count to two <laughs> before he realized that I don't think he knows math. He should have attended John's sermon two weeks ago, or three weeks ago. He says, don't worry about it. We've got more. And he said this, for there are more on our side than theirs. O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And this is what the guy saw. The young man opened his eyes, and when he looked up, He saw that the hillside around Elisha 
was filled with horses and chariots of fire. I couldn't imagine seeing that. I, I couldn't imagine what he, to see that probably scared him. I mean, it's, it's nothing that his human eyes had ever seen and probably will ever see again. But when you're surrounded and you count to two and realize that, yeah, this is not going to be good. And then you get a glimpse of what is in a realm that we cannot see with our own eyes. But I promise you this, it's there and it's there today. There are things that we cannot see that are for us that we can't even imagine. And that should bring us hope when we're weary. And that really just stuck with me. I've heard that so many times. But you know how it is when you read scripture sometimes. And let's be honest, especially if you're doing the read a couple passages a day plan. Sometimes you do it just so you can get, get done just before you go to work. And you got it. Yep. Okay. Check mark. Got that done. I read that chapter. And sometimes you just heard the same story and you don't really dwell on it. But that just really struck me for some reason this morning when I was reading it. I'm like, that's it. Just because things aren't going well for us, just because, oh, I'm just going to be honest with you. This COVID-19 stuff is is bad, but it's, it's not nearly like others have suffered before us. Even some of the generations that are here today have suffered more. But we've been, we've been pretty, we've had it pretty easy for a while. So anything that comes in, it's destructive. And I'm not, I'm not minimizing it because if you've never been disrupted at all, then this is a big deal. And it is for a lot of people. But I keep going back to what this guy saw and that there was, God's like, listen, I, I got you. But God, I don't see it. But I, I didn't open your eyes to it yet. And, and you, you, you will see it because you will see the fruit. You will see the fruit of what they're going to do, what my army is going to do for you. And then you will know. And that requires a lot of faith on our side, doesn't it? it requires a lot of trust. If you're feeling wearied and discouraged, if you're in a battle that seems impossible... If your view of the world looks hopeless today, I want to tell you that there are things that you cannot see that are around you and through you and from within you that will be there to fight for you. And that should bring you comfort. It brought me comfort this morning at 4.30 in the morning. Well, why can't God just show us? You did it once, God. We have it, we have it in writing <laughs> that you opened this person's eyes and they saw it, so do the same for us. But maybe that's the reason. It's recorded in the source of truth. Why do we need to see it if you did it once? You did it before. I trust you, God. You haven't changed, right? The Bible says he doesn't change. So there are still people there that are, there are still angels and whatever they are that's out there for us because the Bible said it, it's our source of truth. I don't have to question it. Do you believe that? Do you trust it? Do we trust the word of God or do we want to see as well? There's nothing wrong with wanting to see. I, I, I would say the same thing. I, be cool, God, if you just gave me a glimpse. 
just, just a little, I don't even have to see everything, just like one guy standing up there, you know, like Captain America. Just the first superhero, that, some superhero type guy, except for Aquaman, he doesn't count as a superhero. He, he really is useless in a fight. Unless the fight's underwater, he's... Don't talk to me about Aquaman. I... So Captain America saying, you just get one glimpse and like, wow, you've, somebody's got your back. It's there. It's never going to change. God doesn't change. What he's done doesn't change. What he's going to do is not going to change. And the takeaway from this today, and I'll wrap it up, is weariness, discouragement, fear, anxiety. It's a half-truth to reality. It's a half-truth to your reality. It makes you feel that it's there all the time. Once you open your eyes to the source of truth, the other half of that truth is going to be there, and the armies that you cannot see are going to fight that battle. And the armies that, and the people that God send your way are going to fight. Weariness, discouragement, fear, anxiety is a half-truth because we're only seeing part of what God created. Let's be honest, there's a whole other realm that we don't talk about enough that exists that's here right now. Listen, I hope you take comfort in this because it really woke me up literally and figuratively this morning and, and reading that passage and just, just I just sat there and just started thinking about that time as soon as that Elisha's uh, steward, whatever he is, saw what Elisha had knew was there. Chills probably weren't enough to describe what he felt. I mean, it had to just be his life would never change again. I mean, it would he would he would he would never go back to that disbelief or question what God is, who God is, and who owns this. We think we own it because we can see it. God's like, no, there's a whole nother thing going on that you don't even see, but is there. You gotta claim it and believe that it's there. And that's what I want you to take away today. There is much more going on than meets the eye. And now I know we all know that. Most of us know that. We've heard that growing up. But it's that's the reality. That's our reality. So in moments of weakness and discouragement. Just thank God for what he has out there and what he's surrounding you with, even if you can't see it. Because you go back to the source of truth, it's there. We can believe it. Amen. Father, I just thank you again for meeting us here this morning. Father, I thank you. I thank you for when you challenge me and I'm afraid to take the challenge, Father, but you push anyway. Father, I thank you that we have a church family here that really cares for this community and, and, and the world that we're living in today, Father. And I thank you for the young ones who jibber-jabber through a sermon, Father. That's a beautiful sound to me. They're here in church learning about you. They are the next generation, the ones that are going to stand up and fight things that we are not going to be able to fight this time. And they are going to bring alongside them strong Christians to join them, to love this world as you intended it, Father, not just to beat each other up. Father, I thank you for the men and women in this right here in front of us, Father, that ones that encourage 
are encouragers. And Lord, I just ask that you just bring people to them so that they can be encouraged and they can encourage others, Father. We're in that time where right now where things just feel weary. And But Lord, we know, we just read today, we read together, Father, that there are powerful, powerful armies surrounding us, Father, that we cannot see. But we thank you for your source of truth for us, Father, something that will never change, Father, because you don't change. We thank you, Father, that you are moving mightily. We want to join you, Father. We want to take up and just follow after you to love our neighbor. It sounds like such a simple thing when we read it, but the power that's enveloped in that statement is just hard to comprehend because when we reach people and love people that are not like us or, or may not like us, Father, there is something that changes in their heart and ours. Father, I just pray that we have love for our neighbors. Father, we just love you and we praise you today. And we thank you for all that you're doing and for all that you are about to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you all. I appreciate you so much. Um, Appreciate the prayers and just showing up on a Sunday. And uh, Michelle's going to dismiss us and, and pray us out because she does a much better job than I do. So thank you. Isn't it nice to have a pastor? He's my husband, your pastor, but someone that speaks truth. I know how exhausted he is, but obedience in adversity is faith. That's true faith. So thank you. And I do get a little leery, but it's because I want to, you know, have his back in case he's like, I just can't do it tomorrow. So. But I have the joy of dismissing all of you because we did such a great job last week. So proud of everybody. Um, So what I'm going to do, just a little bit different, um, we're going to start at this end, um, just to shake it up a little bit. Um, If you can just, again, remain in your seats um, while we get this section here, you guys can make your way out past the back aisle. We'd appreciate it.